Welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. Real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. God so loved the world, but do we realize that he still does? God uses people's stories to encourage and enlighten us to continue growing, learning, and living with hope. Here, you will find the love of God speaking to you through the stories of others. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, this is Tony Lee Adamson, and we are on the Daily Disciples podcast.podbean.com. And I thank you very much for joining us tonight as we are going to be discussing Sarah. So we did Eve a few weeks ago, and now we're on Sarah. So as we begin, Sarah, let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time to gather together to study your word. And Father, we are women seeking your face as women, Lord, that you are our husband. And we pray, Father, that your spirit will minister to us as you open our eyes and our ears to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at the second woman of the Bible, we see the topic today is Sarah. Now, Sarah's name was Sarai. And in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, the scripture says, Now Sarai was barren and had no children. And at that point, she was 55 years old. She's a beautiful woman. We figure that out as we keep reading through Genesis. But she does not have any children. So as we get into chapter 12 of Genesis, the Lord says that Abram, Abram is Sarai's husband, and his name gets changed to Abraham. But right now it's Abram, and God says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God gives Abram a promise. If you leave your country, leave your culture, leave your family, leave your parents, take your wife, and he also takes his nephew Lot and go 700 miles away on foot. So Abraham, Abram leaves the land of Ur with Sarai, his wife, and journeys 700 miles away to Canaan. That will be his ultimate destination. He does stop in other places along the way. And he says, if you go, if you leave everything you know, you will receive land, children, wealth. You will receive all these things. Verse 5, Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land, so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
So consistently, as Abram was obedient, God would again come back to him. As Abram got 700 miles away with all his possessions, which would be a very long journey on foot. I mean, think about how hard that would be to bring all your possessions and your cattle and your donkey and your sheep, all the things that's going to feed you along the way. You have to find water along the way. You have to find food for the animals and for yourself along the way. But it wasn't until Abram and Sarai actually got to Canaan that then God appeared to him again and said, now I will give you this land, this land of Canaan. Now, in verse 11, when Abram was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Sarai was his half-sister, so it wasn't a full lie, but Sarai was Abram's wife. Abram had faith in God, which is why he could leave the land of Ur to go to the land of Canaan. But he didn't have faith in the kings, the pharaohs, the strong people of the land. He didn't believe that they would have a fear of God in their hearts. So he did figure out ways of trying to make earthly things match up with God's will. And this was one of them. And Abram didn't only do it this time when Sarai is 65 years old, probably 65 plus years old at this point, but he also did it when Sarai was 89 years old. So he did the same conniving, deceitful storytelling two times when it came to Pharaoh, the kings of Egypt. Every time God does intervene. But it's amazing to me that Sarai went along with Abram. She didn't put up a fight. The New Testament says that Sarai was a woman who respected her husband to the point that she would call him Lord or that she would just obey what he said. The New Testament also says for women of God to be like Sarah and not live in fear. So in other words, trust that even if your husband is not is doing something more in his best interest than your best interest, by putting our faith in God and not giving in to fear, we can live in faith knowing that God will take care of us. And God did take care of Sarai, Sarah, both times. By listening to Abram, Sarai did say she was only his sister, but she did become the wives of these kings, but then God intervened and in one case stopped having children. So God got their attention, one through a dream and then another through not having children, which I have thought, how long was Sarah put in that palace before they realized there's a problem that the women aren't having, aren't getting pregnant anymore? I mean, think about that. There has to be kind of months that go by where they finally say, what's up that we're not getting pregnant, and then the king finally figures out, oh, it's because Abraham is a prophet, and this is really his wife, so Abraham lied to me. God always came to the king and said to the king, you have done wrong, and the king said to, back to God, he told me that she's his sister, 
And then God says, yes, because you didn't know, I'm not going, I'm going to remove this curse from you. But if you remember in chapter 12, in the beginning, he said, those who bless you, you'll be blessed. And those who curse you will be cursed. Even those that Abraham deceived were still cursed. The king and the pharaohs were put under the curse. Abraham was not criticized for this. And Sarah was not criticized for this by God. So we have to understand that when God is on our side, he's just on our side. He's going to work for us. And this is God's couple. Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai, they are God's couple. And God is going to bless them and keep them. And we have to understand that we are children of Abraham. We believe in Jesus. Jesus came from the line of Abraham. Abraham was known as a friend of God and he was known as the father of faith because he believed God without doubting. The issue comes in with these promises from God that you're going to have land, you're going to have children, you're going to have kings come from your body, your, your name will be great, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. The problem comes in that God is continually talking to Abraham about this. He's not talking to Sarah. When Abraham comes out and says, you're not going to believe it, God said this. Sarah, as she's getting older and older, Sarah is starting to say, well, maybe it's not from my body. Maybe it's only from yours. That's the problem we have with God today, too. We receive promises from God, and we're not really sure <laughs> what they mean. We receive prophecies from God, and we're not really sure, what does this mean? As we continue in the scriptures, we're going to see they're not really sure what it means either. So chapter 13, Abraham, Abram leaves Egypt with his wife and Lot. And now Abram is very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And they journey on as far as Bethel. And then to Ai. And as we enter chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, Look towards the heavens and the number of stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be. So in other words, Abram, you are going to have so many children. You can't even count the number of stars in the sky. Well, you won't be able to count how many children you're going to have. Well, we have to remember, they're an old couple. They're a very old couple. And this is a difficult thing because Abraham say, Abram's saying, okay, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. But every time he goes to sell, tell Sarai, she's thinking, how can this be true? This can't be true. Chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant who was named Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, 
The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And Abram had a child with Hagar. Now when Hagar gets pregnant, Hagar suddenly becomes mean and nasty to Sarah. And Sarai becomes mean and nasty back. So Hagar runs away. And when she runs away, God sees her and says, Return to your mistress and submit to her because I will bless you. Hagar goes back with her son Ishmael, but Hagar is clearly the mother of this child, not Sarai. Hagar does not give her child to Sarah to raise. Sarah is still barren, and now Abram has a son. He does. And Abram is really thinking, this is probably the promised child. And I think Sarah was thinking that too. Chapter 17. So this is 13 years later. So now Ishmael is 13. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. So God continues to say this to Abraham. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout all generations, an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after me. And then God says in verse 13, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. Sarah means princess. That shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. So finally, the Lord is specific in saying, Sarah is going to be the mother of this promised child. Now, we have to remember that at this point, Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 89. Old. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will become nations, and kings of people shall come from her. Then Abram, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? Abraham right away says, Sarah. He doesn't refer to her as Sarai. The minute God said, change her name to Sarah, he used it as Sarah immediately. And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. And he shall be father of 12 princes 
and I will make him into a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bore to you at this time next year. Then God goes into a covenant and says, the sign of the covenant, like in Genesis, Noah's sign of the covenant is the rainbow. But the sign of the covenant or the promise, the agreement between two parties, in this case, God and Abraham, that's what the covenant means, an agreement between two parties. God is saying, I'm asking you, Abraham, to circumcise everyone in your household. So all the servants, all the people who work, all the, like everyone who lives under your covering needs to be circumcised. That's how circumcision came into being. Now we do learn today in medical times, uh, the baby boys are usually circumcised right before they leave the hospital. In Jewish times, they waited seven days because seven days, the nerve endings are like they're having a break in the body. And so it's not as painful for the child. But in hospitals today, we do it upon discharge. It's because there's a lot of bacteria that gets underneath the foreskin of the man's penis. This was a way that God protected the women from diseases. And that's why men today get circumcised also because of that bacteria that grows underneath and it does give infections to women. So God was very, very much about our hygiene, even way back to Abraham's time. But this was also God's way of saying to these men, you are an Israelite, my promise has been given to you. And every time they did bear fruit, like be fruitful and multiply, every time they did have more children, every time they went to the bathroom, took showers, they were reminded that they were gods and that the union between the Jewish people would eventually bring about Jesus. And that very day, Abraham circumcised everyone. Abraham is such the father of our faith that the minute he hears it, he believes it and acts upon it. Many times I feel with us as Christians today, we wonder if it's God. I wonder if that's God talking to me. Now, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep follow me. But we as Christians sometimes wonder, I wonder if that's God or not. Well, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're thinking of things that lead to darkness and to death and to sadness, that's not the Lord. But if God is asking you to repent over something, of course that's the Lord. If God is asking you to do something that really does bless someone else, encourage, exhort, edify someone else, yes, it's the Lord, even if those things are edifying you. And it's by faith that we take it and we say, I'm going to be obedient to God because he has spoken to me and I believe in faith that this is him. So that day, Abraham circumcised the people in his household. Now we're in Genesis chapter 18. Verse 9, they, so it was Jesus, and that's considered a theophany. When Jesus appeared on earth in some way before his body was given to him as, you know, Jesus Christ. Verse 9, where is Sarah your wife? And Abraham said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. So he's still 99 at this point. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. 
and Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a son now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I would say that is the key verse for Sarah. She's laughing. She's going to get pregnant and have a child at 90 years old. But that God says to Abraham, knowing that Sarah laughed, Is anything too hard for me? In the book of Isaiah, God says, Is my ear too dull to hear your prayers? Is my arm too short to save you? And the answer is no. God hears everything that we do. He sees everything that we do. And God is able to save us at any time. Many times he does let the ways of the earth walk its way out. But we do know that when we pray prayers and the heavens respond, because there are miracles on the earth, we say, wow, that was God. That was God who did that. And this child Isaac being born, Abraham laughed when he heard it. Sarah laughed when she heard it. And they name Isaac laughter. That's what the name Isaac means. It means laughter. Because Sarah said, everyone who hears about this will laugh with me that I had a child at age 90. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. So even in this, Sarah's now lying, right? For she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. So God even knows like why we laugh, the intent of our heart when we laugh. He, he knows that every single month that we didn't get pregnant and, and as the years go by and we're still believing the promises of God, we have to remember that when God gives us promises, he is the one called to fulfill it, not us. So when Sarah told Abraham, go sleep with my Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, that was Sarah trying to make God's promises come about. Ishmael was that child. And Ishmael is the father of the Arab nation. Now we see the arguments between the Arabs and the Jews today. Well, that started way back between Sarah and Hagar. I mean, that started way back. And that war is continuing to this very day because Abraham is the father of both the Arabs and the Jews or the Israel nation. They are still arguing. It's also interesting that Abraham has Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. Then Isaac has twins, and one of those boys, his name is Jacob, has 12 children, 12 boys, and those boys become the 12 tribes of Israel. Ishmael has 12 boys, and they become the 12 tribes of the Arabs. It's parallel. Like you do see a parallel blessing on both Isaac and Ishmael. Towards the end of Abraham's life, when it's time for Abraham to be buried, both Isaac and Ishmael bury Abraham. So they were together in burying Abraham. Sarah has this child at 90 years old, and we are told that she lives to be 127. 
So when she passes away, Abraham buries her in a cave called Machpelah in Hebron. It was owned by the Canaanites. He had to buy that area to bury his wife. And at that point, Isaac was 37 years old. She did have 37 years with her son before she passed. And it is amazing how Abraham buys this plot for Sarah to put her body in. And it was that exact city that King David, who came out of the Jewish line, the son of Judah, King David, and he was king of Hebron. So when God promised Abraham and Sarah, kings will come out of your body, they really did. I mean, Saul, David, and even the area that Sarah, Abraham, Jacob are buried is the land of Hebron, which is where King David primarily reigned. We look at Sarah and we see that she was complicit when it came to lying that, she, that Abraham was her brother. She did have a lapse in faith that she told Abraham to have sex with Hagar because maybe the promised child will come through her. She did laugh at God when God said, no, this year, next year, Sarah will have this child. And she laughed. She thought it was funny. But we're also shown, and I want us to go to Galatians. If you have your Bible, Galatians is in the New Testament. And Galatians chapter 4 talks about the difference between Hagar and Sarah. So Galatians 4 verse 22. Paul is the author and he's trying to explain to Jewish people how Abraham and Sarah represent one covenant and Abraham and Hagar represent the other. Verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, her name is Hagar, and one by a free woman, her name is Sarah. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. According to the flesh meaning it wasn't a miracle. Sarah said, have sex with Hagar, maybe she'll have a child, and she had a child. Abraham did that in a natural way. A young woman has sex with a man and she gets pregnant. God is saying that child, though, was not the union in marriage. That child was a result of Sarah interfering, intervening. But listen, Abraham went right along with it. the end of verse 23, while the son of the free woman... Sarah's free because she is the wife of Abraham and they are called as one, was born through the promise. And the promise was a child shall come out of Sarah's body because nothing is impossible for the Lord. Just like Mary had Jesus, which was an immaculate conception, because nothing is impossible for the Lord. And that's the point of knowing about the father of our faith and the mother of our faith. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. Again, the covenant means agreement between two parties. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children of slavery. She is Hagar. What does that mean? The Old Testament began 
under Moses, and Moses received the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments just show us that we're sinful, that we can't keep them. God did it because it puts boundaries and margins and health restrictions on the people to not destroy themselves. So he gave us all the Ten Commandments in our hearts that we know not to kill, we know not to steal, we know not to commit adultery, we know to honor God, we know to honor our parents. But God gave it to Moses as the Ten things to do to keep us living and surviving well, like the covenant of circumcision. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Jerusalem at that time was being run by people who killed Jesus. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Hagar represents slavery. Obeying those Ten Commandments, but not being able to obey the Ten Commandments. So we're constantly living with that feeling of sin, that feeling of doing wrong. But the Jerusalem from above, she is our mother, and that's Sarah. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. And what he's saying is God purposely wanted Sarah to be barren for all those years so that God would get the glory when Isaac was born. Now to you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. So we are the children of the promise because we believe in faith that Jesus came to this earth, that Jesus died for our sins, and now we are no longer indebted to sin or to sinful ways. Chapter 5, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, nothing should keep us captive anymore. No habit, no dysfunction, no craving should take total control of our heart, our mind, our bodies, because now we live in the freedom of knowing Jesus, being filled with his Holy Spirit, and we can believe that nothing is impossible for God, and if God has given us a promise, he will be faithful to fulfill it. We just need to be obedient with the steps along the way. That's it. And it doesn't matter how old we get or how fat we get or how lazy we get. We want to keep turning our eyes upon Jesus, lifting our eyes up, knowing that we worship the God of the impossible. We worship the God who brought a child out of a woman's body who was dead for childbearing. We worship a God who impregnated Mary by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit when she knew no man. That's the God we worship. Now, we can't make God do the miraculous. We can't. But we can keep coming to the Lord and having faith in God that regardless of what happens in our life, we're going to trust Him because that's what faith is. To believe, to trust, to cling to, to press into, to rely upon. And we rely upon the God of the impossible. So when we study about Sarah, 
we see that, yes, she's the, she is the mother of our faith, married to the father of our faith, Abraham, but she wasn't perfect. I mean, God goes out of his way to show us that we are all human, trying the best that we can, but falling short a lot and interfering a whole bunch of time. But we also need to know that just like it's impossible to please God in our flesh, in, in doing good works, God made a way for us to just have faith in Jesus. And by having faith in Jesus, that is the good work that God wants us to do, and he can honor that in our hearts. So I would say the key verse again is, for nothing is impossible with God when we think of Sarah, who was married to Abraham and gave birth to a child at 90 years old. All right, and everybody says amen. Amen. Thank you for joining Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. No more fake, fancy, or fluffy, but real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. For more information, go to dailydisciples.org or connectionsnetwork.tv. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.